We are on a series right now. Devotion to the Essentials gives birth to revival families. And um, we are really going after family this year, right? We're talking about family and how do we strengthen our families? How do we encourage our families? How do we grow up our families? And so one of the families that we're looking at is the family that we see, the first uh, New Testament family of God that we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And so we've been camped out there now for a few weeks, and I'm going to continue to camp out there because this is a perfect picture of what our family in God is supposed to look like. This is the model, this is the pattern that we as a family at home and as a family here that we pattern ourselves after, that we mold ourselves, that we conform our lives to this picture that we see. Because if we do, God adds to their number daily those who are being saved. And God has put the Great Commission on us, has He not? To go. Everyone say go. Go. We are to go and make disciples of all nations. It starts at home with you making a disciple of your children, that you and your spouse are helping each other grow. And then we take it here and we help others grow in the family. And then we go to the nations. But we have to look at this picture of this family and look at that and say, okay, God, how, how do I mold my family to this family? Amen? Amen? So last week I started, I was talking about us being devoted to the breaking of bread. Everybody who was here last week, raise your hand. Yeah, okay, a few of you. So last week we were talking about being devoted to the breaking of bread. And, and I shared about how that refer, refers to communion, which is what we did last Sunday. We, did, we took communion as a family. And we talked about how in, in the New Testament that when they did communion, it wasn't just a, you know, file down the middle of the temple and take your little chiclet-sized bread and your thimble of grape juice and go back to your seat. It wasn't like that. They really did it in homes, and they had a meal where everybody brought something to contribute, and they had a great wonderful meal together, and then at the end of the meal, they remembered. They remembered what Jesus said, because He commands us, right? He says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this breaking of bread to remember me, to remember what I have done. And so as we looked at the first, uh, that first family of the New Testament, we saw that God that, that in amongst them, there was this really deep connection. They had wanted to keep this deep connection to each other, but they wanted to stay really connected to what Jesus had done just like 50 or 60 days earlier. I mean, it's barely two months out. And so they wanted to stay connected by doing the Lord's table, by celebrating the breaking of bread every day. And they never, ever wanted to forget what Jesus had done for them. And so last week I also talked about how how we as a people, humans in general, we have a forgetting problem. 
Who didn't know where they put their keys on their way out the door this morning? Like, <laughs> oh, I forgot already. We have a forgetting problem. And I shared last week that Jesus has solved that problem for us. He has a remembering solution for us when it comes to what God has done for us in our lives. It's called the Lord's Table. Every single one of us has a need to remember what Jesus has done for us. And in the Old Testament, I shared about the way that people remembered was that they placed a memorial stone. They erected this memorial stone and they, they used it as a marker so that every time they came to that area where they encountered God, that stone was there to remind them, oh yeah, this is where God spoke to me. This is where God's talked to me. This is where I was changed. This is where something happened in my life that changed the course of my life. Well, in the New Testament, Jesus provides us a very simple yet very profound solution to remembering what God has done. It's the breaking of bread. And I had confessed that I have never served my family communion. Never, not one time. And as I was even thinking through the message and I was feeling that conviction that I needed to make a serious change to be spiritual leader in my home and to really lead our family in remembering what Jesus has done. And I asked all of us that would we do the same thing? Will you mold your life? Will you pattern your family? Will you take your connect group and will you mold it to this picture that we're seeing? Will you pattern it after this family of God that we're seeing in Acts chapter 2, 42? I hope you're saying yes. You know, Acts 2.42, we'll just read it again. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And again, I, I shared last week about how communion, this breaking of bread, it solves our need to remember. And every one of us has a need to remember just say, I have a need to remember what God has done for me. I have a need to remember. And when we devote ourselves to fellowship is what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about devoting ourselves to the fellowship. When we devote ourselves to fellowship, we are solving another problem that we have. Every one of us has a need to belong. Repeat that after me. Say, everyone has a need to belong. Every single one of us has a need to belong. And our need for fellowship, our need for fellowship is, is this thing that everyone wants to belong to something. We all want to belong to something. We're all looking for our tribe, our posse, our amigos, our gang, whatever. And most importantly, we're really wanting to belong to family. Belonging is one of the most powerful needs that we desire to have fulfilled. 
You know, years ago I shared about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And we see that after the basic levels of, you know, food, water, air, uh, safety, security, after those needs get met, we have a need to move into love. We have got to achieve love. We have got to achieve belonging. We move into that need for friendship, for intimacy, for belonging. This need is so basic and so powerful that even small children crave it. You know, I cannot tell you how many times my sweet little David He comes in the back door of our house with tears streaming down his face. And he's crying about how the older boys won't let him play along. Oh, they won't let me be apart. They won't let me be apart. I want to play with them. My little David is yearning craving and longing to belong to the older boys. And don't think it just stops with little kids. I can almost guarantee, parents, you're going to back me on this, I can almost guarantee that almost 100% of teenage drama (laughs) has to do with belonging and rejection. Do I get an amen in the house? Are there any of you... Teenagers who are introspective enough to say amen. <laughs> Thank you, Cece. You got me. I'm promising you about 100% of your teenage drama is going to be about, they just said this name thing, and then I can't be with this group and that group, and they just know they're not my friends. I'm not their friends. They're my friends, but we're not friends, but they were. <laughs> belonging, belonging. Belonging. And guess what, adults? Guess what? You don't outgrow it either. You are not outgrowing this need to belong. You don't believe me? How many gyms do you belong to? Clubs. Bars. Sports teams. Chat rooms. Facebook groups. Huh? Gamers, how about video game clans, right? You know, your, your bros that you're out playing. And girls, sorry. We have one gamer girl, thank you. I love you. Right? I mean, we're just, we're, we're always trying to belong to something. We want to be a part of a posse, a pack, a tribe. Service organizations. Optimist Club. Want to belong. Rotary, want to belong. Kiwanis, want to belong. Right? It's all out there. The eagles, the moose, the elks, the rabbits. No, that's not a real group, is it? The opossums. Is that a... No, they're they're not. But you get my gist, right? I mean, we're, we're looking for community. People come here because they're wanting to connect. They want to belong. That's why we do small groups here. So you can belong in an intimate way. Every one of us are looking to belong. We go to class reunions. Why? Because we belong to the class of 1990. I do. 
Thanks, Alex. I mean, we go to family reunions. Why? Because we belong to those people. One way or another, we will do everything we can to try to belong. Even us introverts. Let's hear a woot woot. Oh, you did it. I was expecting a... I mean, we just don't talk in church, you know. Even, even us introverts, we have a need to belong. It's not as much as you weird people, but we do need it. Yeah, you know. I mean, listen. As much as I love being alone... I'm dreaming about it right now. I can't wait to, you know, is is it bad that when you wake up in the morning, you're getting ready for church that you dream about when you come home for the nap? Like, that's the part that you are, like, looking forward to. You're like, it's coming. I'm going to do my thing for Jesus, and then I get to go sleep alone in my bed. Listen, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Even us introverts... We want to belong to something bigger than ourselves as well. Because I do. I want community with people. People I love. People who will love me back. I mean, that's what we're looking for. And I realize that some people think they don't need anyone. Don't, don't speak up because I'm about to give you a little hiney pop here in a second. Because it's not true. I mean, really, if... if, if even introverts need people. And if you think that you don't need it, there's probably something that's going on that you need to look at. You've got to look at it. Because it really, when we just say, I don't want anything to do with anyone, it's probably because we've had severe rejection or abuse. And I just, there's no one in the world that's safe for me. But the truth is God created each and every one of us with some degree of needing to belong. I mean, God said so. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Lord said, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. God said, it is not good for us to be alone. And this verse in Genesis Adam was totally alone with no other human to belong to. I mean, even though there were all the animals were there, he was like, I'm not going to be a cat woman. Just, it's not good enough. I had 10,000 cougars is not going to suit. It's just not going to work. I'm not going to be a cat person. He's like, God, come on. Even though there were all the animals, there was a dog, there was wolves, there were all these cool stuff that none of them were afraid of. He's like, you're cool, you're cool. But God's like, it's not okay. This isn't a good enough. Pets are awesome for some people. But people need other people. People need other people. Adam needed another human being. So, so when we consider things like loneliness... And isolation, seclusion, depression. These are all symptoms that the need to belong is not being fulfilled. But I want us to know that God is working on our behalf 
to eliminate that loneliness. And he tells us how in Psalm 86, 68. He says, God sets the lonely in families. And he leads out the prisoners with singing. But we won't talk about the rebellious. Because they live in a scorched land. They're dried up. Everyone has a need to belong. Everyone has a need to belong. And God solves our need to belong by placing us in families. Natural families and spiritual families. And so for us, being devoted to fellowship, Acts 2.42, they were devoted to fellowship. For us, being devoted to fellowship, it solves our need to belong. You know, during World War II, the enemy had conducted experiments to find the most effective type of punishment for obtaining information from prisoners. And they found that the best way to do this was solitary confinement. Solitary confinement was the most effective way because after days of solitary confinement, most men would start to just go nuts. And they would tell everything just to get out of solitary confinement. This is why we need fellowship. Because without it, we become weak like that. We become easy prey. We become tempted. We're easy prey for temptation. And in a second, we will abandon our values. You know, I read another story about a Russian girl who had, was trying to get a visa to come see family in, in Canada. And so after months of waiting and waiting, she finally got her visa to visit her relatives in Canada for three months. She had three months with them. And after she arrived in Canada, uh, the family showed her around to all the cool places and the attractions and the amusements and, and everything, all the great places to eat and entertainment and just so much fun. And the, the, the young girl, she seemed really impressed by all this. It was like, wow, this is cool. She was really impressed with all the stuff. It looked. But then as the three months uh, closed, everyone was expecting her to defect, to, to seek political asylum in Canada. Well, she surprised them because... She expressed to them this desire that she wanted to go back to Russia with her family. And she wanted to go back to this small group of Christians that she belonged to. And so she explained why. She told them, she said, she explained that, she said, here in Canada, here in North America, everyone seems wrapped up in things and doesn't have time for people. In Russia, we don't have a lot of stuff. We don't have much material possessions. Therefore, we need each other. And she wanted to return to an oppressive nation because she had something these really well-to-do Canadians didn't. 
She had community. She belonged to something that wasn't tied up into all of the activities and all of the busy stuff that we do that keeps us busy. She wanted to return to the place of fellowship. Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Now, this word fellowship is a Greek word, as all, most all words are in the New Testament. They all are. It's this word koinonia. And koinonia means a bond of common purpose and devotion that binds Christians to one another and to Christ. It's the act of sharing in the activities or privileges of an intimate group. And it's especially used of marriage and churches. It means, if we were to simplify, it means to share something. Every time this word, koinonia, is used in the New Testament, it indicates some kind of sharing. Either sharing with someone else, like here's what I've got, I'll share it with you, or sharing in an experience with someone else. So here in Acts, the emphasis is on giving and caring for one another. And we know this because 45, verse 45 and 44, it really makes this beautifully clear what this kind of fellowship looks like. It says, And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, if I were to give us just this really simple way to define spirit-fueled devotion to fellowship, I would say that fellowship is about sharing and caring. Say that after me. Say, fellowship is about sharing and caring. Fellowship is about sharing and caring. The Christian life is meant to be full of fellowship. It's supposed to be completely full of sharing with one another. I mean, think about all the things that we share spiritually. We share the same Lord. We share the same Holy Spirit. We, we share the same love for God. We share the same desire for worship. We share the same struggles. We share the same victories. We share share the same responsibility to live our lives for the Lord. We share the same kind of joy for communicating the gospel. Does anybody remember having a party line phone line? Okay. The 40 plus. You know, a party line, a party phone line, was when two or more houses in a neighborhood shared a common phone line, right? And you could literally pick up the phone and listen to the conversation they were having with their aunt, you know, Susie, or whatever. You could literally pick up your phone and hear someone else's conversation. That is a picture of sharing and having all things in common. 
I mean, literally, we have one common phone line between us. Or how about, did anybody, um, <clears throat> at, did anybody get a toy at Christmas that you co-owned with a sibling? <laughs> no, no one did that? Share, you had to share with your sibling? Yeah. I mean, that was a disaster, right? Like, because you never really fully had ownership, you know, because you were sharing it. I was an only boy, so I never had that problem. <laughs> but I watched my sisters throw fist fights about two hours after Christmas. <laughs> Who got the Cabbage Patch doll now? Now, keep in mind that Christian sharing isn't like that. Christian sharing is always voluntary. No one is forcing you to share your Barbie with your sister. <laughs> or in my house, no one's forcing you to share your Nerf gun with your brother. Right? Holy Spirit-fueled Fellowship is about voluntarily sharing our money, our possessions, our time, all the stuff that's most important. Because this is not, this is not demonic communism. This is not demonic socialism. Where sharing is forced upon us by the government. No, see, in the kingdom of heaven, generosity is expected, but it's not demanded. Because where there is no generosity, there is no true fellowship. Fellowship is all about sharing. And the second thing is, fellowship is all about caring. Say that, fellowship is about caring. You know, the early church really did a good job of caring for each other. I mean, they were socially and they were materially part of one another's lives. And Paul says it really well. He, he expresses this very well to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, I will very gladly spend for you everything say everything i will very gladly spend for you everything i have and expend myself as well he's saying if i own it it's yours and if you need a piece of me you got it gladly let's say that word gladly care is this thing of having concern for another person's physical, mental, emotional, and material welfare. The example we see in Scripture is, is that those who were prospering in this time, that those who were prospering, those were to aid in, for those who had difficulties. It's the same thing for us. When we are prospering, we are to bring aid and help. We are to care for those 
who are in need. Generosity has to prevail in this house. You know, we see a really good example of this in Romans chapter 15. And Paul says, says, At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it. Indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also be of service to them in material blessings. When, therefore, I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. And I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness. Say fullness. I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. You know, becoming a a Christian in the first century in Israel, it was a very costly thing. Because it meant you lost friends. You lost maybe your job. Or you lost business. You lost uh, business partners. You lost customers. Becoming a Christian was a terrible sentence. For some Christians, it meant that they would experience real poverty. In fact, it was so great in Jerusalem because they had so many people joining the church at that time. 3,000 in one day, remember that? So they had this really massive burden of, we've got to help these people. These are our brothers and sisters. And so in the face of that, that reality of, I could lose everything by just saying yes to Jesus, God had to provide material support for them through each other. You know, today when a church member loses a job or goes through some difficulty, people in the church, we help out. We help out. We help out with food. We help out with money. When someone in the family gets ill, what are we supposed to do? We are to be there, helping, supporting, encouraging. We've got to be there to help. You know, one of, when we think about care and how are we supposed to do that, there is a whole list of scriptures. In fact, let's just, let's just look at those. It's these one another scriptures. I mean, look at all these things that we too are to be to one another. You can't do this alone. Be at peace with one another. Love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another. Be of the same mind toward one another. Don't be haughty, don't, uh, but associate with lowly. Don't be wise in your own estimation. Let us not judge one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. Greet each other with a holy kiss. It's coming. 
We're going to get some real freedom up in here. When you come together to eat, wait for one another. Right? God has so composed the body so that there may be no division in the body that the members may have the same care for one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling, showing tolerance for one another. Be kind to one another. Be tenderhearted. Be subject to one another. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of great of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Don't lie to one another. Seems like a stuck-on-stupid moment, but we had to say it. Don't lie to one another. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Build up one another. Don't speak against one another. Don't complain against one another. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Is that a list? This is how we as a supernatural family of God encourage one another. This is how we look after each other's spiritual well-being. This is what we do. We pray for each other. Spiritual, physical care, it's essential. It's an essential part of being the people of God. See, when we do this stuff, like you literally could do one of these things every day. When we do this stuff, we are fulfilling what Jesus said in John 13. He says, by this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I don't know how to love one another. I just gave you a list. That's the stuff. That's the stuff that proves to the world, wow, you guys are different. You don't talk about each other behind each other's back? No, because we care for one another. We don't judge one another. We have tolerance for one another. We're at peace with one another. What? I don't even know what you're talking about. Jesus was saying that when we, when, when others truly see us loving and caring within the body of Christ, that they will agree that we are disciples of the living God. That's when they say it. Not because you posted a scripture on Facebook. There's nothing in the Bible that says, and by your memes they'll know that you're the (laughs) followers of the Lord. Jesus said, when you do the stuff, when you love and care and pray for one another, that's when the world agrees that you guys are Christians. That's when they look at me and they say, yes. It was this culture of care, this devotion to fellowship that allowed this early church to storm the world because they were radically different. It was irresistible. I mean, who would not want to be a part of a family like that? 
if our devotion to fellowship looked like all these one another's, there would not be enough seats in this building for everyone to sit. Our city would be turned upside down. Who would not want to belong to the family of God if we lived like that? Because why? Devotion to the essentials gives birth to revival families. Acts 2.47 Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Do you know why people were being added daily? Because those who were being saved finally found a place to belong. They finally found a group of people who shared and cared for each other. Fellowship solves our need to belong. Fellowship is about sharing and it is about caring. You can't do sharing and caring alone. It's impossible. Now, I, yes, I realize we can do self-care, and that's very progressive. You know, take care of me. But, like, get over yourself. <laughs> get over yourself. Get over yourself. Because sharing and caring can't happen alone. You cannot do sharing and caring. You cannot, you know, we have to be devoted. Being devoted to fellowship, it demands that we do life with others. And when you're dried up and you're not full of the Holy Spirit, sharing and caring is a big burden. It's a big burden. People become a burden when you're dried up. And you can't blame that on anyone but yourself. But when we are full of the Holy Spirit, the words of Jesus come alive and we become passionately devoted to fellowship with others. Every day, the Acts 2.42 family they took care of each other every day. They shared life together and they met any need that, was the, that, that they found someone had among them. So I want you to just to think about yourself for a moment. Maybe you need to close your eyes. And I want you to give yourself a grade. I want you to grade yourself when it comes to sharing and caring for others. Now I want you to think again. Now I want you to think about your family as a whole, your biological family that you're a part of. And I want you to think of, give yourself a grade for how well as a family you're doing caring and sharing. Grade yourself as a family. How devoted are you to fellowship? And now I want you to think about your connect group if you're a part of one. 
How devoted is your connect group to fellowship? Grade yourself. Grade your connect group. Caring and sharing. How well are we doing? Because they are going to know us by our love. When we are people who are full of the Holy Spirit, we become devoted to fellowship. Now I want you to just think about how you and your family, just think of one way right now how you and your family are going to help mold and pattern yourselves after this supernatural family that we see in Acts 2.42. You know, maybe you're here and you don't even belong to a connect group. If you're looking for belonging, this is, that's how we do it here. If you're not a part of one, Jeff and Michelle Hughes will be out at the Welcome Center and you can talk to them. Young people, teens, tweens, This isn't just an adult thing. I want to ask you young people, how are you going to be devoted to fellowship through caring and sharing? How are you going to take this message seriously? If you need some help, I can tell you it it can start at home with mom and dad, brothers and sisters, basically any family family member you can think of that qualify as someone that you can care and share for. So whatever grade you gave yourself in these areas, how does God want you to raise those grades? I tell you, you can do nothing if you don't stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Because He is the hope we have. He is the power we need to be continuously devoted to fellowship. Everyone has a need to belong. And our devoted fellowship is the solution to a lonely world. And it is the solution to our need to belong. So I'm asking us in this room today, what are you going to do to mold yourself and your family to being continuously devoted to fellowship? Lord, I pray that this word would be heavy on our hearts and that we would take the ideas, the pictures, the thoughts that you gave us, that you showed us here, God, and that we would take it seriously, that we would take molding our life after the word of God seriously.
that we would make real changes as we seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day, that we would make real, lasting changes to be a caring and a sharing people. So, Father, I just pray for that to fall on us today. I pray for that to fall on us today. Oh, because this isn't more hard work and more self-effort. This is Holy Spirit-fueled devotion that we are talking about today. So fill us today. Just ask for another filling right now. Just, just say, Holy Spirit, fill me right now. Fill me. I need full. I need to be full, Holy Spirit. Yesterday was not enough. Today I say, fill me again, Holy Spirit, so I can be devoted. So that I can be devoted to the breaking of the bread, to, to fellowship. Fill us today, God. I'm asking for a fresh one. Again, blow over this place. Blow over this family of God. Be devoted through, through being full of the Holy Spirit. God, we ask that you would help us ask that you would help us, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen.